This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I'm ready to party! Good morning, Vietnam! Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Magic myth on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, hello. <laughs> What's that? I have no idea. We stayed well, in. Hello. Well, hello. <laughs> um, to this kind, this kind of special episode of his film, her movie. All of them are special. <laughs> All of them are special. Yeah. <laughs> You're special. Very. <laughs> uh, but we thought that we'd take our time to... I mean, it's 2020 now. Roaring 20s. Yes. Mark so two. we thought we'd... Given that this, this podcast started last year, mm-hmm. um, we thought we'd have a look back at 2019 and say what we watched, what we... Just like a little special sort of 2019 in review, if you will. Yes. I'm doing air quotes here. Air quotes. Um, so what, what what we watched, um, what we liked, and just have a little bit of a free um, free conversation because do you know we don't never do that between ourselves. Never, everything's always scripted, heavily yeah, scripted. Absolutely. So what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with TV or film? We'll start with film. Okay. Because I'm I watch well we we do watch a lot of films. I forget when films come out. Yeah. Like um we did we did originally discuss let's do a decade. Yes. And I started reeling off films and you went, no, Lauren, they came out when you were 15. (laughs) (laughs) Totally thought Mean Girls was only in the past 10 years. Sadly, I'm a lot older than what I think I am. (laughs) But yeah, we thought we should take a little bit of time. Just again, we've we've actually done quite a few bonus episodes. So we thought, let's keep this rolling. Bouncing? Yeah, I don't know. You were bouncing in your seat. (laughs) So what should we start with? I mean, the biggest film, not only of the year, but the biggest film ever, ever, officially ever, officially ever, um, was Avengers Endgame. Loved it. So that came Done. out April. Yeah, I think so because okay. it was April, and I really, really, really wanted to go and do the whole. Let's watch every single film. Yeah, but you 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 trusted it like two weeks before the film came out, so it was like it was. Li- impossible it to do impossible. so i also couldn't get the time off work even if i did manage to get a ticket i think everybody was off work at that point and i was like it's really important and they went what's it for i want to spend like 48 hours just watching films straight yeah and um, my boss laughed at me and said no <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it was this massive huge thing to be honest it was, it, it, it was like a, a bit of a cultural landmark a bit of sort End of, of a, an era a line in the sand of that Marvel dominance. Don't get me wrong; the Marvel dominance will continue. But yeah, but there's been all the TV shows and yeah. everything, and the films and the Easter eggs in each of the films. And when you now you can sit down if you actually sit and watch everything. Yeah, you well, in you, order. You're like, oh, that's where that thing went. I mean, I think hopefully coming back because obviously Disney Plus is. 
a thing now and they're, they're building up more TV shows that will go into films. For example, One Division. That just sounds hilarious. And um, what is it? It's they're doing, are they doing a Loki thing? They're doing a Loki one. They're doing um, The Winter Soldier and Falcon. So okay. therefore, these ones where, yes, they did do Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and other things mm-hmm. like that, um, Agent Carter, but... I season of Agent Carter. Yeah, it was good, but they never really embraced it within the cinematic universe. They they, they always were like the sort of the bastard stepson in Mm -hmm. a way. So it'll be interesting to see how these TV projects will bleed into, is it Phase 4? Yeah, I think so. Uh, And and how that works. But I mean, going back to to Avengers, I mean, I really did enjoy Avengers. Um, It did everything that it needed to do. It, It ended on a emotional beat that it needed to. Mm-hmm. It's been out and is the biggest film ever, so who cares about spoilers? No. Killed off two characters which needed to happen for the story to continue yes. and to evolve and yes. to bring other characters into the limelight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just a event movie to be proud of for Marvel. It was sort of like, it builds up. I mean, the first Avengers is incredible yes but if you accept if you're my mom and then you watched it and you requested those two hours back because you hated the entire (laughs) thing but you feel like it's kind of small potatoes when you look at endgame and Mm -hmm. infinity war they just feel so massive in scale because yes the avengers had your key avengers so but when you're looking at infinity war and endgame you've got the entire universe universe and you've got like 40 people on screen and it's yeah. It's yes, it's confusing and it can be overwhelming, but they seem to make it work. And yeah, it's it's not the prettiest film ever, but it's just a bit of pandering. I'm not a fan yeah. of the pandering with the all the women going to go save uh, Spider Man. Yeah, not a huge fan of that. It led to some very good memes, though. Did it? Yeah, like because um, of course Steve Rogers goes back in time, but with all the future knowledge. Yes. And he can't just Google things anymore. And then he goes back in time and then it gets to the point where he, when he like looks at the newspaper and goes, oh yeah, this is the day like Kennedy dies. Or he knows all the huge things that are going to come up. Um, and he can't say anything. Also, how much are you willing to bet he bought a hell of a lot of stocks in like anything? Microsoft. Elon, Microsoft, anything with Elon Musk attached, Apple. Like, that guy died rich, okay? <laughs> An absolute billionaire. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, I mean, it was a good place to start with Endgame. My, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen all the all the 2019 films that I do want to watch. Being but a little bit busy getting married. I know. But my highlight was most likely um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, Quentin Tarantino's movie. And... It has, I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the, the reviews in the, the reception to it has been sort of overwhelmingly good, but there's a bit of a, a Tarantino backlash over the last couple of movies mm-hmm. um, because of <clears throat> they see him as very, very self-indulgent. He's Now he's making these really long movies that just really play to his strengths, which is just writing dialogue and writing scripts and, yeah. and, and creating these... And showing off ladies' feet. And showing off ladies' feet. A lot of ladies' feet in so Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Feet. But, yeah, it, it might be <coughs> self-indulgent and 
things like that. But the way I see it is like Tarantino is in in, in film terms, he's sort of at all, at the top of his game. He's what we, people love. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he he writes his stories, the way he creates his characters, the way he creates his plots and his stories. But it's like, for example, I want to hear Jimi Hendrix do a 15-minute guitar solo. Yeah, because he's the best that he can yeah, do. And I want to hear Charlie Parker do a drum solo. I want to mm-hmm. hear, um, God, like Robert Plant beat out some high notes or Freddie Mercury hit a high note because and because you want to see people flex the muscles. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think, especially with Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is what he's doing. He's just understanding what he is. I mean, his voice. I mean, he's not his voice pro- pretty much since his first movie. Yeah. But he, Look at all the power he's got now. He can now use that power to show off. And do what he wants. Yeah. And that's it. This is, you can see that it was a total, he loved making it. It looked like it would have been fun to make. Yeah. Um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio bounce off each other so well. Yeah. It looked like we quite a good, fun set, and it's got a good backstory to it as well. It has, and the, the whole sort of um, thing with Sharon Tate in it is is quite interesting mm-hmm. as well because there's a bit of a backlash there regarding she was included in quite a lot of the marketing of the film, and she is very much a secondary character in this. She is, yeah. So, but I, I'm the thing is I'm fine with that because it is Rick Dalton. In Cliff Booth's story, it is, yeah. And, 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 it's not, but it's not the Helter Skelter story. No, it's Hollywood is the backdrop, and Hollywood at this time was obviously a very interesting place. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially uh, with, with the Charlie Manson <clears throat> and the Helter Skelter stuff. But yeah, it's just such a. I don't really, I can't really explain it. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio. He has moments in this movie where he's never been better. Yes. Brad Pitt just glides through it. Like, I mean, I'm really, really hope he does get uh, Best Support and Actor Nose. I hope he wins this year for it yeah, because I think he deserves it. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was, was probably my major um, high point. The other one, I mean, we, we watched both watched Booksmart together. I mean, I liked Booksmart, but you really, really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed Booksmart. Um, And, like, for for people who know me, they know that it's... I I enjoy... I enjoy enjoy a good sort of, like... I want to say, like, a girly film. Mm. But for me... Okay, so I remember when things are, like... Oh, what's the... Film, um, it's got McLovin in it. Super bad. Yeah, super bad came out, and that came out, and that was such a big film mm-hmm. at the time, and it propelled these actors and people who never heard of. It was like, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, great. It's still iconic. It's still something that people know. To me, though, for a girl, I was like, okay. Some of the jokes don't hit for me because I am not a boy. I do not care about dick jokes yeah. or anything like that. For me, this is, I don't want to say like the girl's version. Yeah. But it's definitely, this is directed at women. Yeah. It shows girls who I, and I actually feel like a much more realistic sort of 
relationship between girls as what we actually have. We're not all nice and we're not all pretty and we talk about gross things and we go off and we do really stupid stuff and we get into mess and this to me was a more realistic uh, sort of coming of age film Mm -hmm. for a woman than a bunch of other crap that's out there. It's not got the all, oh, I found myself and it's so beautiful and I found a man and it's love and it's yeah. this. It's like, no, no. For most women, it's it's a case of at that age, you, you start to realize who your true friends are when everything is changing and you all go off to university or college or you move away or whatever. That's when friendship is tested and that is... This is like the start of that friendship being tested and then weathering through all the crap that they go through in that night, I think is a good indication of how that friendship will weather yeah. and how well it will last. So I really enjoyed it because I just thought it was great. Yeah. It was a great, feel good, silly, comedy, girly film that I think maybe gave people who, I don't, I don't say guys who don't have friends who are girls but there are some people out there who aren't particularly close with members of the opposite sex who maybe think about people in a certain way hopefully they this will have them got them going actually you know we're not that different yeah we're not we can we can be gross and nasty too cool um the other thing that uh, we watched I mean, very recently was the irishman yes and the irishman well is the martin scorsese netflix film tells the story really of um the era of America with Jimmy Hoffa, with with, with the gangsters, um, and yeah, it's a big old, big old movie, three and a half hours long. <laughs> Watched over two nights. <laughs> Watched over two nights. Um, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. It's Martin Scorsese sort of back. Even though, to be honest, I I really do love, um. Causes his career over the last sort of fifteen years. He's done some incredible movies, mm-hmm. uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Hugo, the Silence. So many great stuff, but there's something romantic about Scorsese and gangsters. Yeah, he just he is that guy, especially working with De Niro again, which he he hasn't worked with since <clears throat> God Casino, which was early nineties. Yeah, it's a long time. And ago. Joe Pesci come out of retirement. Yeah, I mean, that... As soon as you know that Joe Pesci was coming out of retirement, you know it was going to be good. Yeah. Like, you don't come out of retirement for rubbish. Mm. You knew that, okay, we have to sit up and take note of this. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it came out on Netflix is a huge thing as well. Uh, I mean, but it looks lovely. There's, there, is, there are parts where you see the whole face replace stuff, but it doesn't really take you out of the movie at all. No. When we were discussing it, it was more we, it was more noticeable in brighter light, yeah. in like daylight. Um, and bless them when they are trying to run with a younger face. It was like when we talked about Samuel L. Jackson. When in they, Captain Marvel. In Captain Marvel when they used it. Your face can look great, but honey, you still run like an old man. <laughs> so I think... But in, in dark, when they're in the bars and everything, I don't feel like you could tell at all. There's only little bits where... I feel like their eyes were maybe just a little bit too bright. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's still it's still early days for that kind of technology. That technology is going to come on even further. It will. And already it looks brilliant. 
But yeah, I mean, other things that I just want to point out, which I don't think you've seen, uh, Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach's uh, movie no, with Adam Driver. Yeah, it's got Johansson. It's on my to-watch thing. It is incredible. Um, Little Women, which came out on Boxing Day, is superb. John um, went to go see it by himself, and I stayed at home in, in my PJs. I did. And a cat, and eat chocolate. Greta Gerwig, <laughs> Greta Gerwig's second film after Lady Bird, and it looks, it's such a confident movie. Saoirse Ronan is wonderful. Everybody's wonderful, and it looks just out of this world. But it, yeah, it feels, even though yes, you have this period setting, it feels fresh, and it feels new, and it feels modern. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it don't think you're going to into a sort of a, a dry and dusty period drama, because it definitely isn't. Um, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's follow-up to The Last Jedi, was great and nice whodunit. Um, sort of brings on that feeling of films like the Agatha, Agatha Christie mysteries and things like Christie mysteries. Um, Midsummer, which was the Ari Aster movie. How are we watching that? Um, and Is that the one that you watched in the kitchen and you were like, you wouldn't like this one? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, the horror film... And it's made me, because I, I love the the whole vibe about this. It's very slow paced, but it's quite brutal. But I wasn't a huge fan of Hereditary, his first film. Okay. And it's made me want to go back and watch it, because there was a huge uproar for Hereditary. And I just didn't get on the bandwagon. I don't know why. Maybe it was the fact that it was buzzed so much before I saw it, mm-hmm. that I went in with a bit of, bit of a cynical head on. But yeah, I really do want. I must rewatch that. And the last one I want to talk about is Ad Astra, um, James Gray's ninety million dollar Apocalypse Now, pretty much remake, but set in space with Brad Pitt. Yeah. Now, I don't know how this film got made because it's kind of an art house film set in space, and I just don't know how they got that much money behind it because. That you, Maybe Brad Pitt was like, I really want to do this film. Well, I think it's Brad Pitt. I don't think Brad Pitt is a block. He's not a, a film bank anymore. He's much more like people don't go see a Brad Pitt for Brad Pitt anymore. No, He's, that's true. It seems probably Leonardo DiCaprio isn't a the only really people who to go and see. I don't really know if the movie star kind of exists. I Tom don't... Cruise maybe still. But, it's... but he's just making the same film over and over. Okay, right. It's about eight million Mission Impossibles, and he's redoing uh, Top Gun. But not... it does look great. Okay, right. It does look great. But he's just make, remaking the films that he knows as well. True, but so the thing is, they are going. The thing, Mission Impossible Six Fallout was the best Mission Impossible film from a long way, and like, who, who can you say about a six in the series? In it's just the guy. Is, I mean, it's complete tangent, but the guy is just like this, not even a person anymore. Like, he went and learned how to drive a helicopter in double time for Fallout. I think he went on to fly jets in top, literally fly jets in Top Gun. Which is all brilliant, but it's the same film. No. It doesn't matter how good you are and how much of a method actor you are, you are still playing. The same film. It's Mission Impossible. Spoiler alert, it's not. He still manages to do it. It is, but it's... it's Like James Bond, he doesn't die. 
it's the set pieces. It, it's, it is, it's like some of the Fallout set pieces. And it's not even that. It's like the craft of doing it. Like nowadays, if, you, if we're going to go into our the Marvel discussion of before, mm-hmm. so much is based on CGI. Yeah. Like, although, I, although, I yeah. although I love it, like that scene of the um, Thanos' crew and the Avengers running across that sort of the battlefield and you get the one the one <laughs> shot where you sort of whisk around everywhere. Yeah. It, it, it's great. You see all these characters, but it's made in a computer. Oh, yeah. Like, all those people weren't at the sa- at that place at the same time, so it was, it was it's knitted together. Mm-hmm. Whereas, look if you look at something like Mission Impossible Fallout, there's a sequence where they jump out of a plane and land on a building, and it's done practically in one shot. So, like, they had to jump out of a plane night after night. I love how you're really trying to sell this to me. I'm, I'm, I'm brilliant. I, I admire good producing, <laughs> good directing. All of that. It's still the same <laughs> film. He's still just making the same films that he knows will just make money. He's not challenging himself acting-wise. He's True. playing the same character. If he went off and he did something completely out of the blue, then I will go... I'm not a big fan of him, but I would still go see it because it would be something new. An, an acting challenge. Yes. Not the challenge of learn to fly jets, learn to fly helicopters. Amazing good on the guy to get really passionate he's still playing the same guy though it is true they aren't acting challenges they're physical challenges but maybe not acting challenges no like if you if you do another ball on the 4th of July or a few good men or something like that exactly okay. actually no what's his best film the best film Tropic Thunder <laughs> do another Tropic Thunder do another Tropic Thunder he wore full fat suit brilliant hilarious didn't even know it was him great film Cool. Well, that's really it for me. I do have different other films that I really enjoy, but let's get on the TV shows. Yes. And there was three... I, I watched a bit more TV than you, than Phil. You did. And there's, there's three seasons that reached their third season this year that... Yeah. I mean, I watched two of them, you watched another. Uh-huh. So, The Crown... Loved it. ...reached its, its third season with a new cast. Uh-huh. With Olivia Coleman as Queen Elizabeth, um, Helen, Helen Bonacarta as Margaret... We we had um, Charles grown up meeting Camilla, Princess Anne. Princess Anne, and it it feels like it's just going strength to strength because although the production value alone makes me want to watch this movie because it, it's beautiful, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's the costumes, everything, just the cars. Like I don't, I'm not even a car person, but all the way through that, it's like I want that car. I want it. Just, everything. Just look, it's perfectly done. Yeah. And the thing is, when you're watching them, and yes, it's dramatised and what happens behind closed doors, we never really know. Um, but it's, the way they present it, it's very, very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's very Machiavellian in its sort of execution. So therefore you do get these, everything is for the country. Everything has massively huge consequences for things happening. Mm-hmm. But what you what you get to see is the the emotion and the heartache on a personal level yeah that you don't see as as the public and it is it's it takes these events across this um this season which some are shocking mm-hmm. um thinking about um 
the mining town in Wales. That whole sequence um, of every collapsing in the in the landslide is just haunting. It's awful because like you grow up, and obviously this happened before us. We were born and everything, but you grow up and you hear about this mm. stuff. You hear about like of your parents and your grandparents talking about it. It's just, and then you literally. I, I think it's I think it's different to watch it as well. Obviously, we're in the UK. This is our history. Yeah. We know it. People of, uh, like, say, in America, probably may, may not have even been aware that this had happened. It was a huge disaster over here. Mm. But before social media and the internet, you probably would have had a few newspapers covering it, but yeah. not a huge amount of coverage. So... As soon as they shot, went to that thing and it was like, it's raining, Wales. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be the mining disaster. Yeah. How are they? Because there was no clips. There's no adverts of no, how it no. happened. So you have no idea how it's going to play out. And like, it's horrific for us. Like I sat and cried through it. But we know what happens. We yeah. know the story. For somebody who had maybe never heard of this... And for them to go, it, it's shocking and it's awful, and to maybe get on Google and have a little look and realise this actually fully happened. This was a huge, devastating yeah. thing to happen in the Welsh mining community, and to realise that that like it, just that episode alone is like something out of a disaster movie. Yeah, yeah. But it was real. But yeah, I mean, so th- that was a highlight. The other one. Um, something that we enjoy watching on Amazon Prime, which is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I love that now, for me, I think it was the weakest season of the three. Yes, it but was a weaker season, but it's, it was still damn entertaining. Yeah, I think uh, I feel like maybe it's a filler season. Maybe because then at the obviously at the end of the season, there's a big thing that happens. And so next season, something has got to change. Something's got to happen in that yeah. sense. So I feel like it's like, right, we have to cover this, we have to cover this, and we have to get this, and we have to get this done. Yeah. It, it's a filler season, which a lot of TV shows do have. They have to tell the story to get it to the next big thing. But, but the thing about Mrs. Maisel that I think works is the fact that, yes, you, story has something to do with all TV shows, obviously, but... I watch that show because I enjoy the characters so much. <laughs> Susie, I love Susie. Yeah, um, and, and even um, the parents and, and yes. things like that. And it's just the way everybody bounces off each other. And yeah, it's it's just one of those great little character um, TV shows that I will look forward to every year until until he finishes. I'm not sure. He must have a fourth season already. He must greenly have, because it because, can't just stop. Yeah. So that was the other one. The next one is The Handmaid's Tale, which I haven't watched and no. you have. Um, so yeah, I, I we did the book in school. I was a huge fan, so I was really excited when it came out. Um, so this, it's now past the point of the book. Um, so for people who, I'm sure everybody's seen the iconic artwork, it's set in Gilead, which is basically like America after a load of wars have happened, birth control, not birth control, birth rates have gone down. The handmaids are taken uh, as literal from the Bible um, where, is it? I think it's Rachel or somebody says to her husband, I cannot bear children, so please take my handmaid and bear a child with her. So these women are surrogates. Yeah. Um, but they're treated as second-class citizens. Um, 
very it's it's a really really interesting thing. These and they're basically fighting to get out, and it follows June. So so I mean we're in the third season now. So yeah. obviously this is taking stories that weren't in the book. Yes. So therefore, what what was this a good season? I or? still found it a very good season. Um, I still feel like because Margaret Atwood has got such an iconic way of writing, I they were able to do the first and the first season and then into the second season in her voice. Yeah. Um, but part of the way through of the second season, it kind of stopped being the book and moved on. Yeah. Um. So they've they've had like half a season previous to, to kind of get in the same sort of writing style to get in the same voice um it it's shocking it makes me cry so much because it is harrowing it's it's no holds barred it's dirty it's nasty it shows these awful conditions the torture everything that these women and these people go through um it's not a happy TV show. It's a in the UK. It's shown on a Monday night, no, on no, a Sunday night. Sorry, and I watch it when I come home on Monday. Um, so it's not exactly the happiest way to start off your week. <laughs> but the actors are amazing. The costumes, although very simple, are amazing. The setting is brilliant. The just it's still going in the same vein, but now. You don't know what's happening next. You don't know what's happening next, but I feel like there might be like a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, cool. So I believe it's going for another season. I don't know. I don't think it'll go for a fifth, but I think they'll probably wrap everything up in the fourth season. Um, but it's with everything that's going on in the world, it's actually quite scary to watch. Cool. It's very scary to watch. And um, we've got one, another TV show that I, I haven't watched, um, a narrative show, our last one that we'll talk about, and another Netflix one, yes. is Insatiable, which was season two? It was, it was season two. So um, when Insatiable first came out, it got a lot of um, backlash, a lot of it, because it's basically about a girl who was um, larger, and she um, ends up in an accident. She gets her wires, one on wires, her jaw wired. Um, and then what happens is after she she loses loads of weight and she becomes a beauty queen. Um, so people are like, oh, it's, you know, fat shaming and all this. But I do feel like if you watch it, especially in this season, she very much confronts the fact that she's lost all this weight but she has a huge amount of pressure now to look a certain way, to match up to everybody's expectations. And she comes across and says, I've lost all this weight, but I am still the same person Mm. inside. She's like, I still have confidence issues. I still have this. I still have this. And she is very, very much aware of the fact that although she wanted to like lose all the weight, she thought it would fix all her problems. It hasn't. Um, it's super trashy TV. Like, so many people have been killed in ridiculous ways. I think one beauty queen was killed and she had her bouquet shoved down her throat. It was ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. It's utter trash. It is so good. It is really, really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, I get why people were angry. 
with it. But I feel like they kind of played into the outrage culture to get people interested. And I think if you watch it, yes, it has the ridiculous storylines around it. But um, her underlying message when, you know, people aren't dying um, is that you can change your outside, but it's your inside person you have to work on. That's Mm. the most important part of you. Um, Cool. It's good. Cool. And you know, we don't really watch a lot of reality TV in this house. No. Um, but there's, 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 there's two shows. One is a Channel 4 show, which isn't the most famous, really, by any means. It's coming to America. It's, but it's coming to America. It's coming to Netflix. Um, is The Circle. Mm. And now, this isn't a Netflix t- uh, film. No. It is a completely different <clears throat> aspect. Now, this is the second year this has been on. And it, it, it's, only, it's a three-week show, but... It's it, on Monday through Friday. Yeah. And then you have withdrawal symptoms Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and it is wonderful. It, it's just like, as most of these um, reality TV shows, they are social experiments. Yeah. And this one is one for today's day and age of social media, about yeah. knowing who you're talking to at the other end of the um, spectrum, about being yourself or not being yourself and understanding... Is it good to be nice? Is it, is it good to be false in a way? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, it's... Can I explain it? Yeah. So basically, it's um, a bunch of people. They all get put into flats, which, by the way, if you haven't seen, are apartments. Yeah. Beautiful, look amazing. Um, and then they can interact with the other people who are in that apartment block. But only through social media called The Circle. They can't video chat or anything. It's basically like a really early form of Facebook. Yeah. So you can put up statuses and um, you can do like an instant messenger chat and you can put up pictures. Yeah. But you don't have to put pictures of yourself. You can literally be... Anyone. Anybody. So the first season was won by a guy called Alex. Yeah. Who he went in... Pretending to be his girlfriend. Yeah. He was a lovely person. He was very entertaining. But he had his Bible, basically, of how he did his hair, how he did his makeup, what shoes he liked, what dress sizes he was, everything. And read from that to interact and to be convincing enough to be a girl. Yeah. So when we watched the first season, we were like, how are they going to do this again? Because people are going to question everything. Yeah, yeah. But this season was still just as good. It was. It is, you, you do get wrapped up in in these people oh, and so of people up. trying. The thing is, you get certain people, and obviously everybody is on the back foot. Yes. Because everybody's thinking, especially after last, especially, especially after last year, and people are thinking they go in there thinking the people they're talking to aren't real. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then you 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 kind of breaking them down. To, to, to try and believe and there's a voting system obviously so it's a yes. whole it's a popular popularity contest so therefore at the end of it's not really each day but it, it, intermittent if, passes you they vote from one to however many people are in the house who's their favorite to who's their least favorite mm-hmm. and the person with the least amount of votes um le- no sorry no the, the top the, two the top two sorry the influencers they get a blue tick and yeah. then they meet 
they, together they in, a, in, in different rooms. Um, obviously not face-to-face, but they get to go to like a fancy room and have some fancy food, and then they decide who is to go. So it can be very tactical, the voting, yeah. to get who is the influencer. Yeah. So yeah, so the two influencers go out and vote out the person they want to But then to they have the to circle. message them and tell everybody. Yes. And it's so bad. So therefore, like, for example, yes, a, a guy playing his girlfriend won last year. Um, now, this year we had a guy playing a single mother get to the final. Yes, with any... Did he just got pictures of like just a random woman with yeah. her child. Like, he'd obviously asked the permission before. So, therefore, he played it completely as such. He was um, this girl called Sammy. Now, every interaction he has to have has to be... As Sammy. As Sammy, talking about the children. And he, like Alex, had... Like a, what, he, uh, what like, we basically call was like a bible yeah, of like the, facts. But therefore, some of the good stuff comes from when people come and come in as catfishes with not a game plan and get found out very, very quickly. Because what you don't understand is sometimes it's people, especially when they're looking for it, yeah. can tell you if you're real or not. Yes. Now, again, I'm looking forward to the American version and I think it will be not dumped I don't believe it's going to be dumped in a one No. So therefore, it'll give you a little bit of time between episodes. But yeah, it, it is definitely a, a reality show to, to, to look out for. Now, moving on, the next reality TV show we're going to talk about. RuPaul's Drag Race. UK. Do, do, do. Yeah, it's amazing. So 2019 saw RuPaul's Drag Race come to it our little over. island. Finally, I've only been following it for years. <laughs> and yeah, it, it did, did it disappoint? Did it? I don't think it disappointed. Um, there was people uh, from the US who watched it and they were like, well, why aren't they getting money or prizes? It was on the BBC. Yeah. It was on BBC Three. Um, the BBC has very strict rules about what people can get as prizes in competitions and everything. Um, which was why instead of getting like vouchers and wigs and jewels and everything that they'd get in the US one, they got a Rue Peter badge, yes. which for people across the pond or over the world who don't know what this is, it was the RuPaul's take on the iconic Blue Peter badge, which um, if you grew up in the UK, everybody watched Blue Peter. At some point, everybody wanted a Blue Peter badge. It was like an after school TV show. Yeah. You get to go and yeah. celebrities went on. If they were doing something, um, like your local scout troop would yeah, go on, that, that, that people sort of raising stuff. money. It was all very nice, very wholesome. But if you went on it, you got a Blue Peter badge. Yes. And for these guys, they got Rue Peter badges. Yes. But the thing that got me really with this season, because when I started seeing Lauren, she got me into RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, you like the competition. I I do kind of like the competition, but Tyler I also like anything that is a competition, yeah. really. And it's as soon as you get over the fact that we, in the American version, some mm-hmm. of those people have been doing it for so long, have ga- ga- garnered a certain amount of following <clears throat> and financial um, backing. Yeah, and there's a lot more beauty contests over in the yeah, US. Yeah, it's a much bigger um, culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you come over here, you've got some people who've been doing it, like some of those people have been doing it for less than a year. Um, yeah, but then they got kicked out pretty quick, which is They good. got kicked out. But again, they don't have the same amount of money, so therefore 
they don't have. It's not. It's not professionalism, but it's polished. Yeah, it's, they're not as polished as the ones in the US. Yeah, but in some way, I feel like they're more real. But they are, and I think as well. I think drag in the UK is completely different than drag in the America. So different. So therefore, I think it's much more played for laughs here. Yeah, and also they they discuss it a little bit in the US version. There are some queens who just do pageants. Yeah, and they will just perform in the pageant, and that is what they're good at. A drag queen over here that isn't really that pageant scene, or if there, I believe there is pageants, but they're on a much smaller scale. It's nightclubs. Yeah, you if you go and you're a drag queen in a nightclub, you are emceeing, you are singing, you are dancing, you are interacting with the crowd, you are doing comedy, you are doing all kinds of different things. So it's not as much a, she's a look queen, she's a comedy queen, she's this... For a UK drag queen to be popular, you have to have a little of every single thing. Mm. Because when people are booking them, they want to get the full package. They're not just going, she looks amazing. You're wanting somebody who is can basically keep the crowd going. Yeah. Because usually in a nightclub, you want somebody to keep the crowd going, keep the drinks flowing. Yeah. And do you know what? I think that's probably it for our little roundup. Um, I think... I mean, there's many different things that we do watch on on a sort of a daily basis, but those were the highlights that I think yeah, we I had. Yeah, I think they were the highlights. We did get married, but <laughs> we got married. Which was, but that's not a TV highlight I or a film highlight. Solomon got around to change my name on ninety nine percent and stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, we'll be back with a normal episode in the coming days. But I thought we'd just record ourselves a nice little two thousand and nineteen review. Mm-hmm. Cool. It was good.